Welcome to Markets Now. I'm Michelle Rook with Darren Newsom, Senior Market Analyst with Bar Chart. So grain saw some early pressure. Corn has been trying to come back, but effectively we've been mostly lower here this morning while the livestock futures are seeing some back and forth trade in both in the cattle and the hogs. And right now cattle futures are mostly higher. All right, Darren, let's talk a little bit about uh, the grain trade first. Kind of disappointing that we're not seeing or haven't seen a whole lot of follow-through buying activity after a pretty good corrective day yesterday, especially in the corn. But corn's been trying to come back here. We did see a new contract low yesterday and then move to the plus side. If we close higher today, do you think that will confirm a reversal and will we get more buying as a result? Uh, the, the, the short answer to all of that is yes. I do think we're going to see some, some follow through buying start to develop in the corn market. And why is, you know, my, my initial response, my initial thought uh, at Tuesday's close was the rally was tied to some non-commercial short covering. And so therefore, you know, we should have seen total open interest in the corn market drop similar to what we saw in Chicago wheat. On the, but what we actually saw, according to the CME website, was that total open interest in corn increased by 17,000 contracts. So that tells me, you know, as we were pushing lower and, and uh, you know, initially tried to go down on Tuesday and then it rallied, there was some new buying coming in. So what was interesting about Wednesday morning is we saw a similar pattern where corn tried to go lower early and just couldn't push through the previous low, you know, 450 or so on or wherever that was. Uh, and it held and has since rallied again. And now we'll see if it can hold through the close. Again, it's a Wednesday. There's just not much going on. You know, Tuesday was the last day of the positioning week for, uh, for funds and non-commercial traders. Uh, so that often leaves, you know, Wednesday just to kind of bounce around. But we'll see if it can build any momentum heading into the close. Yeah. So, you know, if you look at a, one of the reasons that we might not be up today in the corn or be able to hold things together is the fact that the wheat market was up yesterday and that helped to pull the corn along. But in the case of the wheat market, is that basically all been short covering and we see those pops too? Yes, it is. And, you know, again, what they played out as expected, I think total open interest dropped something like 3,600 contracts in Chicago and, you know, March was down five, 6,000 contracts or something like that. So I'm not, I'm not one of those convinced that it was Chicago wheat that pulled corn higher. I think we've basically had the same setup in both where, you know, spreads are basically neutral, maybe leaning a little bit bearish. Uh, basis is running bearish. And you've got non-commercial traders holding a large net short in both markets uh, ahead of USDA's data dump on Friday. So, you know, not so surprising that Chicago wheat's able to bounce occasionally on some short covering. I, it just doesn't have any staying power. There's no fundamental reason right now uh, for it to continue to move higher. Yeah, because the demand actually has not been very good, very anemic, hasn't it? It has. I mean, if we look at wheat as a whole, it, it it hasn't been great. Now, it is better. If we look at exports, it's better than last year. But last year was basically non-existent. And, you know, and I know when I say that, you know, we can break the soft red winter out on its own. And it's up, you know, total sales right now is, is up 82 percent from last year, just in just in uh, just in soft red winter wheat. But again, we have to put an asterisk by that. It was nothing last year. I mean, the 2002, 2023 marketing year. We didn't do anything in software winter wheat. So the fact that we're up 82% from almost nothing, I mean, doesn't really instill me with a great deal of bullishment, of the bullishness about Chicago wheat. No doubt. And as we speak, uh, we're starting to see wheat uh, push just fractionally higher, but mm -hmm. as you point out, may not have a lot of reason to stay there. Soybean market, uh, some pressure again here today. 
got a little pop yesterday, but we've taken a lot out of this market since we got some of those rains in Brazil, haven't we? The, yes, the thing that stands out to me in the soybean market is what's going on in the spreads. Uh, we've seen the, the carry in the March May continue to strengthen, and in fact, taking it beyond the 33% threshold, calculate full commercial carry back into neutral territory. So we'll see where we close here on Wednesday. We're also, in, if we go further out into the May July, and this is where we can really see, you know, not only you know the effects of Brazilian production. Uh, on the commercial side of the market, but what it might mean uh, for demand for U.S. supplies. And we're seeing that carry strengthen as, as well. In fact, early this morning, uh, that May-July spread was testing its previous low daily close of eight and a quarter cents carry. Now, it's still bullish. Uh, so we still know that we're dealing with some tighter supplies. But if we push through that, it, it doesn't take much imagination to see it going to the same level that the March May is going, you know, where the March May is, you know, 10 and a quarter, 10 and a half cents, maybe even larger carry. Uh, meaning that the commercial side just really isn't overly concerned, again, due mo mostly to the fact there's just not a great deal of demand right now for U.S. supplies. So let's talk about that, because usually when we get a big pullback in price, you will start seeing some flash sales that'll go out. Um, some of the end users finding value there. Is the reason that we are not seeing that because of some of these shipping issues or is it just, you know, there's other places to go in the world? Number one, there's other places to go in the world. And we know the world's largest buyer is not going to buy from the U.S. unless it absolutely has to. The shipping, you know, if it was just simply a shipping issue, uh, I think we would still be we would still see sales being made uh, and, and our total sales would be accumulating. We're running 16 percent behind uh, last year's totals, uh, total sales you know, for the same week at the end of December. So, I mean, it's just we're really just not making sales at all. As far as shipments goes, we're running something like 22, 23 percent behind uh, last year's pace. Some of this is due again. Yes, we're having some shipping issues. But by and large, nobody wants it. And, and you know, they're not going to buy it. And, and again, it, so it doesn't really matter what USDA makes up, you know, in its next guess uh, for Brazilian production. Bottom line is it's, it's a demand issue right now. And, and we're really struggling with that here in the U.S. Yeah. So we made some new lows for the move in the soybean market as well this week, Darren. How much downside risk do you think we have in this market? This one usually causes some heart palpitations for, for market bulls and those just watching the markets. Because if I if I just throw everything out and I just look at the monthly close only uh, for the soybean cash index uh, and, and I look take it from a technical point of view, it completed a head and shoulders pattern this past April. And when we do the calculations and the math and the goes into with that, uh, it takes it down to 10 and a quarter, the cash index down to 10 and a quarter. So, you know, and it just broke below 12. So that, you know, if, if we want to put out, a, if we want to put a target out there for the intrinsic value of the market, that's what it would be, at least right now, unless we see something change. Do you think the low might be in for corn or not, especially if soybeans keep drifting lower? I think the argument could be made that the winter low is in for the corn. Again, if we go back to the cash market between 2010 and 14, uh, excuse me, between 2020 and 24, we're doing very similar to what seeing a similar pattern to what we saw between 2010 and 14. And a decade ago, we saw the cash index post a low monthly close in December rally up through April and then fall apart through July and August. I think something similar could happen here uh, if we continue to see some winter demand. Uh, for U.S. corn supplies, and we are seeing some decent demand, and it pushes it up until we get to that time when when the bins uh, start to get emptied out from this past harvest and start hitting the market again, and that's when we could drive corn lower. Cattle market is to the plus side, both live and feeder cattle futures. Are we putting in weather premium 
And do you think we need to put more weather premium into that market? It's interesting. You know, we seem to be putting a little bit of weather premium into the live cattle market, but it hasn't been a lot. We haven't seen it. We haven't seen this huge round of commercial buying uh, or for that matter, even fund buying coming into the market. So it's almost like it's, it's uh, you know, moved into the wheat category where it's going to have to prove there's some damage done, uh, where it proves that these, you know, storm after storm that's moving through the plains is actually causing, you know, problems with the, with the feeding area. So for now, I think there's some more room that we can build. Excuse me, there's, we, can, we can build some more weather premium into the market. It's just very slow in developing at this point. Yeah. What do you make of, you know, we've had three weeks higher cash trade and the boxes look like they have finally bought them. So should that help? I think in the long run, it probably will. As you said, you know, we're starting to finally build some, some, uh, we're starting to see some stronger cash markets. And, you know, the box beef has been a train wreck over the last number of weeks, as you pointed out. Uh, maybe that market is bottom. Seasonally, we would think that that market is bottom because this is the time of year uh, when boxes start to go up again or have been going up again. So, you know, if we see cash going up and boxes start to go higher, I think that could bring, that could bring some, uh, some, not only some fund buying, uh, but some commercial buying into the live cattle market as well. Yeah. I also want to talk about outside markets because boy, we charged into the end of the year with this big rally in the stock market and the equity indices um, on ideas we were going to see a cut in interest rates. Now we're starting to see a few people kind of backpedal a little bit on that. And where do you see us headed here in terms of interest rate climate indices, as well as what does that mean for the crude oil market? Starting with the indices, they're in a long-term uptrend. So, you know, we've seen the Dow go to new all-time highs. I would not be surprised to see the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ also go to new all-time highs. It's just going to take some time. We can't pinpoint days and weeks and so on. Uh, It'll happen. There's plenty of investment money still coming into the market. Interest rate is a tricky question because it seemed like everybody got you know, everybody wanted to run so fast into this thing. There's, you know, we're not going to just come into 2024 and just start slashing interest rates. Uh, in fact, there's still a possibility and there's still some chatter. We could see another rate hike. And we knew that at the end of 2023. So I think there was a bit of over exuberance. Uh, but by the time we get to the end of 2024, as Chairman Powell has said, uh, it would not be surprising to see two to three uh, 25 basis point cuts along the way. So, you know, there's plenty of time for these things to happen. I do think rates will come down uh, in 2024, but it's not, you know, it's it's not set in stone. We can certainly see uh, the market and, and the economy change. Okay. Thanks for joining us, Darren Newsom, who is Senior Market Analyst with Bar Chart. That is Markets Now.